Welcome to the Manuscript Academy podcast, brought to you by a writer and an agent who both believe that education is key. The beauty is the people you meet along the way, and that community makes all the difference. Here at the Manuscript Academy, you can learn the skills, make the connections, and have access to experts all from home. I'm Julie Kingsley. And I'm Jessica Sinsheimer. Put down your pens, pause your word counts, and enjoy. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Today on the podcast, we've got author Jennifer Chen and her agent, my friend, Katie Flem from Liza Dawson Associates. We originally asked Jennifer on to talk about short pieces and how she succeeds with them. And believe me, she does. She's doing an amazing job. But we were so pleasantly surprised to watch the thoughtful and kind and creative dynamic between this author and agent pair. So if you've ever wondered what a good author-agent relationship looks like, this is a wonderful example. Enjoy. Hey, Jennifer and Katie, so happy you're here. Yes, thanks for having us. Yes, I am so excited to be here and just be ready for me to doing a lot of gushing about <laughs> Jennifer. The same here. Yes, I love working with her so much. So I'm so glad I get to shout it out to the world. Yes, yes. Please. Yes. So how <laughs> did you guys meet? Tell us a story. So I had booked like a session with Katie for the first pages of my manuscript that is still on submission right now. And she gave me a really great critique and then said, whenever you're ready, I'd love to see this. And so it took me a probably a year and a half <laughs> of revising before I had anything to show her that I felt comfortable showing agents. And then I got an, another offer from a different agent pretty soon after querying, and I had reached out to the agents who had expressed interest, and Katie got back to me and said that she would review it in the time frame, in the two weeks that I said, I'm going to try to get back to this other agent. So that's how we met. It was a long relationship process because I just kept a running list of anyone who said they were interested in the manuscript, and she was on it. I love that so much. So you yeah. had another offer, and then Katie yeah. swept in. So Katie, tell us about that. So I just remember when we had the session, just really loving what she did and just how professional. I could tell that Jennifer really cared about what she was doing. Hmm. So I got the manuscript and it was one of those times that I had been the first to do it. So I got the notice. I'm pretty sure I started reading it right away. And I was about 100 pages in and I knew I was going to offer. It was just so wonderfully written. And she took the feedback I had given her. So I got to see already that she was great at editing and was really collaborative and just everything about it. I loved mm. her characters made me cry so much. <laughs> and I was so excited to offer. I figured because there was another offer already, I probably had no chance so I said, screw this. I'm going to be just as, as absolutely enthusiastic as I feel. I'm not holding anything back. I'm going to have my extensive notes. I'm just going to put it all on the table and hope that she feels about me, how I feel about her in this manuscript. So you remembered your edits from a year and a half prior to getting the manuscript? I still had the notes. So uh -huh. every time I have any kind of critique, I just hold on to it. Part of it is just because I like to see. And it also helps me on bad days to remember that, no, I'm actually good at this job. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I'll read them. And sometimes I will get something from the person and I'll go back and check. 
since I'm an extremely editorial agent, Mm -hmm. it really can be helpful to know right away that it's going to be a really good fit. Jennifer, so can you talk about how you structure your work life and juggle writing in so many places? I had kids five years ago. They're five now. And my work life was very different pre-kids. <laughs> and then when I had them, I said, I really want to redo my work life so that I have time for my kids. And so I just actually narrowed down to the places I really want to write for. And I just kept working with the editors who I had previously worked with and just cut out any other clients that it wasn't my passion to write for them. In terms of juggling it all, I always do a mixture of pitching and I get assignments. As my career has gone on as a freelance journalist, I've gotten more assignments. So I don't have to spend as much time pitching and and trying to win over an editor. And then from that point, it's just keeping that relationship going by turning in really great work, being collaborative, communicative, and appreciative the whole way through and really To me, it's been a really great training ground for getting edits because everything that you've ever read by me has been edited by a great editor who's led me from a first draft to final draft to publication. So a lot of that is that collaborative process. I'm really schedule, detail, plan oriented. I do a lot of planning. And so if I have a feature story, I have a feature story due next week and it's 1200 words. So I'm did 600 words yesterday. I'm going to do 600 words today, give myself a few days off, and then look at it again next week before I turn it in. I'm really regimented like that ever since I had kids, because if not, then things just pile up on each other. Indeed, they do. It's so interesting. So do you have uh, like a writing routine? Are you a morning writer? Do you put the kids to bed? Do you hit it at night? Tell us about that. Sure. I should preface that my kids are five and they're in preschool right now, but they're going to transition to kindergarten in August. Um, So that'll be a new adventure for me as a writer. But how I typically work, I've actually worked with Jenny Grifter. She is a coach. She coached me on how to really make my work life balance the way I want it to be because otherwise it's just constant chaos. (laughs) So she and I developed a way of, okay, what are the things I really want to get done? And I time myself. I'm the kind of person who likes that. If I know that I only have 30 minutes to write this piece, I'll get it done in 25 minutes. It just Mm -hmm. really pushes me to do that. Some people hate that. I love it. I think once she and I talked about it and figured out that's what drives me, then she was like, okay, let's make your Monday through Friday look how you want it to be. And then really get things done on a timer. (laughs) So I know that doesn't sound like appealing to everyone, but it really works for my work life. Like yesterday, I timed myself to write the 600 words of this 1200 word piece in 45 minutes. And I think I finished in 40. And I will say this is like rough draft. This is not what I'm going to turn into my editor. This is me just getting all the facts and things down. And typically feature stories where I'm interviewing people, pulling facts, doing research, is not as intensive as writing a personal essay, which is very different. And I give myself a different timeline for that Mm. because that's a very different experience to write and to revise. A really good personal essay hurts (laughs) when you're writing it. So I give myself lots of time. But Mm. for feature stories, I can turn something in in a week. But that's partly because that's what I've been doing for the past, I don't even know how many years now. Yeah. This is amazing to hear about <laughs> because I'm very open about my pain and medical issues, but I'm 
very limited about how much I can work. So I also use timers Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. do a very similar kind of process for all of my stuff too. And I had no idea you were doing the exact (laughs) same thing. That's wonderful. I think it's curious because when I do book coaching, I time people. I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, you have half an hour. Let's go. It's still like tricking our brains. And once your brain Mm -hmm. understands, it will respond to that timer. Like Mm -hmm. you just get right into it. Do you feel yourself sink into that space just really quickly, just knowing because that's how you work? I will say the manuscript that Katie signed me with, I had spent three years revising that. I had a writing teacher when I said, I don't know how I'm going to do this book. I have twins. I don't know. I might as well just give up. And he said, do you have 15 minutes a day? And I was like, no, I don't have 15 minutes. My kids are six weeks old. And he's like, okay, when do you have 15 minutes? I'm like, well, actually I pump for 15 minutes. Okay, great. Great. And it was the most garbage writing I've ever written, but it gave me the muscle to say, okay, I used to think like 15 minutes, what am I going to write in 15 minutes? Nothing. I'm going to write a sentence and forcing myself to do that for every day when they were really little. And that was my only alone time. (laughs) I got better at it. I tell that to other people and they always scoff at me because I scoffed at it. I'm like, what are you going to do in 15 minutes? There's nothing. But if you write like 200 words one day and a little bit more, like it actually gets done. And I think parenthood really forced me not to sit here and be like, am I a good writer? Is this good? It's just right. It's probably bad. Just keep going. (laughs) (laughs) So can you tell us about how the submission process varies depending on if you're sending out short or full length work? And do agents Mm -hmm. handle shorter pieces? I'll let Katie answer the shorter pieces question, but typically for personal essays, I typically write the whole thing and send it out on spec. But I have relationships with some editors where they'll approach me about writing a particular topic or I'll approach them in a phone call and say, hey, I have this idea. For feature stories, like the one I'm working on, I'm working on a piece about miscarriage, paid leave in other countries and that came as an assignment. If I were to pitch that, it would be one or two paragraphs. Similar to a query letter, honestly. It's it's shorter. It's much shorter than a query letter and um, tight and very specific. But that's how I do it. I would never send a whole feature story on spec because that's a lot of time and energy if an editor doesn't want it because I interview at least three people. I do research. So those typically have to come through sending a, a pitch out. It's interesting because it's really similar to the book side of things, too. New authors send an entire fiction manuscript, a more personal, full thing. But if you're going to have to put in that long research of the nonfiction, we usually have a proposal instead because you don't want to have the author do all of that work, the interviews, everything just to send it out. You want to get that proposal length. So it's really interesting, the similarities there. And um, for me, I don't work at all on the shorter things. Those are Jennifer's relationships with people. There might be some agents that do, but part of it is she's a pro. She has the relationships. She knows everything. I might get sometimes an email from an agent friend or an editor saying, oh, we're looking for some short fiction in this anthology. Do you have anything? And in that kind of case, I'd be like, oh, I have this perfect client for Mm -hmm. that and send it over. But for the most part, I just deal with novels. What recommendations do you have for those who'd like to write shorter pieces? That's a great question. I would recommend taking classes. If you want to freelance for magazines or online or any publication, 
I don't know anything about literary journals, so I will preface that. I don't submit to those, but I've taken lots of classes, workshop. The class I would recommend is Dupont Academy, but he has workshops with editors from the New York Times, Vanity Fair, all the, the great publications that are out there. And you get time to hear them talk about what they're interested in, what they want. And then I've live pitched them. And that's how I've made, that's how I actually made that New York Times essay that I sold happen. I pitched it to her and she was like, I've never heard anything like that. And I took probably eight months to work on that essay before I sent it to her because I knew it had to be pretty much letter perfect. So my advice to anybody who's starting out and is completely intimidated by my biography I started at the same place. I started taking classes, in-person classes and online and studied all the publications I love and pitched those particular pieces. The thing that I tell everyone is that my Oprah byline took five years. I pitched five years at several different editors because editors left and I just kept pitching and pitching until finally a story sold. And the funny thing is the editor I worked with there ended up becoming the digital director of the website now. And so she brought me in to write for them. And that's just one of those things. I'm sure it's the same in book publishing, but be nice to everyone along the way because she remembered me and was like, hey, I have this piece. Can you write this? And that opportunity wouldn't have happened if I hadn't established a relationship years ago. So interesting. This is a question for Katie. Jennifer has such tenacity and I love like the pumping and writing, the pitching and pitching, and she's doing so much stuff. Just, it's amazing. How do you see this as her trifecta of talent? How are you going to utilize this in your pitching process? So a lot of it is just making sure that I have her bio so that editors get to see that she's a pro. But I also ask her what she thinks. So I'm working on a pitch right now for an incredible project that is going out soon. And I can't wait. But I have to start my pitch of it. But she's a pro at this. Are there things you want included? Mm. Do you have comps you've been thinking about? Because she loves writing her books. Again, this one also made me cry. They're so (laughs) emotional, so great. But she's truly a professional. And she's thought about these things. So I'm going to ask, I'm not just going to take my expertise when I have somebody who is so good at every aspect. I'm not going to just waste that. I'm going to ask what she thinks. I'm going to make sure when I send her the pitch that I say, here's what I have, what do you think? Or if I have part of a paragraph I'm struggling with, I'll send something over which isn't something I'll do with everyone. Uh, Mm -hmm. I love all of my clients, but everyone has different strengths and I'm not going to waste the strength. Yeah, that's amazing. And I love that you sound like you two are a really interesting team with that back and forth that you have. It sounds a little bit unusual. It's cool to know that agent and author relationships can be so many different things. So this is a question for you, Jennifer. I totally got lost in your essays Mm -hmm. and there's a raw honesty that I appreciate. Can you discuss writing from the heart? Yes. Um, gosh, personal essays, I don't do them often. I, I find them, they're, they're really good ones. The ones that the modern love, the things that you read and you're like devastated by or in love by and you remember years later, those take a lot of time. And I try to caution people when they're working on them. It, it comes from a deep place. Like I've written about my miscarriage. I've written about my grandmother's passing, different things like that. And I... I just take a lot of time with them. My first drafts are usually garbage. I 
ask people to read them who I trust as writers, but who don't necessarily know me that well. Like, I think it's much better to get feedback from somebody who's like a casual acquaintance than somebody who's my best friend or even my husband because they know me too well and they might skip over. They might like internally know, oh, yeah, she means this. It's always great to ask people who don't know anything about you because they'll be like, who are you talking about here? And I'm like, oh, you're right. Thank you. That's really interesting. So you mean that they think that you're skirting over something that's hard? More that there's confusion. Like I'll say my husband and then later on I'll say Brendan and they'll be like, is Brendan your husband? Stuff like that where if my best friend was reading and she'd be like, oh, of course I know who that is. But even things like my first drafts tend to be like I shove everything under the sun that was discussed between me and my grandmother and then having people come in and say, these are the moments that I most liked. These are the moments that I was most interested in. These are the moments that I don't think you really need. And I, I, you need that kind of impartialness because it's your life. It's your story. It's really hard, which is why I recommend David Hockman UPod Workshop because I've met so many great journalists that way. And so we do a lot of beta reading for each other. And that's super helpful because otherwise I'm not going to ask somebody randomly on Twitter <laughs> to read my stuff. I need right. somebody who is a writer who understands personal essays, who understands how to give feedback correctly. I wanted to circle back about why I signed with Katie because I thought yeah. this might be helpful to querying writers because Way back when I had a different agent, I had a literary agent years ago, and she left agenting maybe six years ago. So I had to find a new agent. But when I was doing this querying process, I made a whole list of what I wanted. When I first signed, I just signed. I was like maybe 29 at the time, 28. And I just accepted whatever was given. I didn't know that you could ask your agent to read your manuscript in a timely manner. I just didn't know. I was just like, somebody will have me. That's great. And this time around, I was like, I know who I'm looking for. I'm looking for an editorial agent. I don't want somebody to pat me on the back and be like, this is amazing without actually reading it carefully. I wanted somebody who was very communicative because my last agent, I felt like I had to hunt her down. And I was like, I don't want to spend my time trying to hunt down somebody who I want to work with. And the other part of it being somebody whose sensibilities were similar to mine, that we like loved the same books that we were like, it wasn't a mismatch in terms of interests and stuff. And the other offer came through, Katie made an offer. I had just a few people that I was looking at and what impressed me the most about Katie, because I had spoken to the other agent, the initial offer, and she had told me my manuscript was perfect. It was ready to go. We could go on submission today. That sounds great in theory, but I know it's not ready to go on submission. I want you to look at it more deeply before you send it to editors. And when I talked to Katie, she came to the call, like really prepared, really great notes. But the other thing that super impressed me, I don't know if you knew this, Katie, but I had asked the other agent, can I talk to some of your clients? And she said, oh, we'll have to think about which one, blah, blah, blah. And Katie was like, yes, I've already spoken to Ronnie and she's ready after this call to talk to you. And I was like, oh, you've done your homework. I usually get the, oh, I'll connect you after we get off this call. Literally after I got off the call and I emailed her other client, she was like, yep, let's talk. I'm ready to talk whenever you are. I spoke to another one of her clients and they just were so enthusiastic and if somebody's ride or die for their agent, that tells me that there's, they're a good working relationship. Then I felt it was clear that Katie had 
developed really strong relationships with her clients. So those were the things that drew me in because she just had everything on my box. And I, I think if I were a younger writer, I might have just been like accepted that very first offer. And I'm glad that I took the time to be really thoughtful about this. I think it's easy to just think like, oh my God, an agent wants me, an agent wants me. I'll just say yes. I really made sure to take my time on this process. Part of me wonders if just some people aren't as editorial. Like Mm -hmm. I am super editorial. There's usually several rounds. I am so nitpicky about things. Jennifer, I'm sure, has Mm -hmm. examples. Like in her first book, when I was like, the train from Asbury Park to New York City costs this much now. So I'm not quite sure how your character could be affording to go back and forth. And we really need those details. (laughs) I was very impressed with that. That just because seriously, I hadn't remembered what New Jersey Transit was since I was a teenager. And I was like, you're right. It's not $15 each way anymore or round trip or whatever it was. That's what impressed to me and even this most recent manuscript we were working on I just felt like you caught stuff that I was like oh yeah you're right that's that's completely wrong (laughs) and that's what I want I don't want to show up with a manuscript that isn't what I feel comfortable sending out Mm -hmm. to editors and saying this is my best work Uh, and I know I'm like partially because of my medical reasons but just also my style of agenting, I like keeping a very small list of clients so that I can give them all of the time that I have. I made sure, like you said, I had Ronnie's name ready. I was like, I really want to sign Jennifer. So I'm going to be on this. I'm going to make sure this can all move. But I like keeping such a good relationship with everyone and make sure I limit myself. And sometimes people are like, oh, you close to queries a lot, even before Mm. I was mostly on medical leave. And it's just because I want to make sure that I can have this relationship. Like every agent is different. I definitely sometimes have a more friendly relationship with all of my clients. Like I finish reading a book, I usually text two or three to see if they've read it too. So we can just talk about it. Or when I finally get to watch the finale of Pose and I'm sobbing. (laughs) I'm messaging with Jennifer. (laughs) So it's just great to hear that kind of everything that is so important to me comes out because it's really hard sometimes to know if the things are translating to writers. I started tearing up a little bit when you were talking, but it just means so much to me that all of that came out and that it all ended up making this great, amazing team we are. Like, I love it when we get into our career talks, Mm -hmm. when I have three pages of notes afterwards with all of these ideas you have. And we've talked about the idea, like how genres are doing and Mm -hmm. all of that kind of stuff. That's the best thing. So I just love how we work together. And it's, this is what I think every agent wants a relationship that feels like it fits everything you've yeah. ever looked for in a client. <laughs> and I will say the other agent, when we talked about my manuscript, we talked for two hours. And when I talked to Katie, maybe it was a 45, 30 minute call. And when I got off the phone, I was like, we covered everything. She made it super clear. I also don't have two hours to sit and talk about stuff. Like I want somebody to respect my time of saying, you're busy. I want to give you everything I I need to tell you and then we can all go about our days. And I, that's also what impressed me too, is that I think younger me felt like I should just say yes to everyone. And now that I'm a more experienced writer and know what I want, I was like, 
I want somebody who answers my emails that day. <laughs> Katie is more organized than me. And when I tell people that, my friends are like, what? I don't think I could find somebody more organized than me, but apparently I have. So that's what I was looking for. So I saw also on the website, Jennifer, that you included both the TV list and a musical playlist on your website. Mm-hmm. And I saw that you balanced some of your serious themes with delightful television, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I was like, that was so interesting. And I was just thinking of Ted Lasso and mm. I was wondering if he impacted your work. Yes. I love Ted Lasso. I initially didn't want to watch it because my husband was like, please, let's watch this. And I'm like, I don't care about a football team in England. What do I care about that? And then Brene Brown talked about her love, like in, in deep love. And I was like, I like her a lot. So maybe I should try it. And it's so good. In the pandemic, we binged it. And I thought it actually helped me with the manuscript that Katie has now that's about to submit because I feel like there's so much joy and heartbreak, but also goodness. The characters are inherently good people who make just bad choices. That helped me work on this rom-com that I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, we're not bad people. We just inherently make bad voices sometimes based on our fears and stuff. So I just love Ted Lasso. I can't wait for season two. I was thinking you were going to say you could feel him on your shoulder. So can you both give advice to new writers out there getting started? So my biggest piece of advice, which is one you see a lot, but I will stick to it forever, is please keep reading. Read a lot. So often people are like, oh yeah, I've been writing and I just don't read anymore. And I feel like reading is how you learn to write. Mm And with that, sometimes I think it can really help a new writer to study their favorite, not only books, but maybe even movies and TV shows, and really try to dig into why things work in it. A lot of the times it's because there's great pacing and you can map out how even just a TV episode is paced, or you can map out the story arc and you can see how it goes through all of those typical things you hear about characters hitting beats and showing, not telling. So keep on consuming media, keep on reading, even in the genre that you're writing. A lot of people will stop because they don't want to sound like someone else. But I mm-hmm. think if you're really just starting out, that it's totally fine to sound like somebody else. And Just look at things like a writer and try to figure out how writers got there. And the other outside the box one is if you can find a podcast about a show you love that might talk about the writer's room a little bit and the development. The one I'm listening to as it comes out is Office Ladies about the office. And it's done by non-writers, but they constantly have writers on the show. They're talking to writers. They're talking about the process. So hearing how something else was written can really help you figure out how to write your own things. It's funny because I feel like I'm going to echo what Katie's saying as well. But I would recommend listening to writers you admire on podcasts. That's what I do. I get tons of ideas from them of their process. I don't use everything that everybody else suggests, but little bits from other writers have really helped. Tamora Pierce, I heard her talking about writing all the time and how she writes when she's standing at a streetlight. And I was like, that is smart. Alexander Chia talked about keeping a notebook while he's drafting. And so he leaves little notes for himself of like, maybe the scene isn't working. Jasmine Guillory, she had recommended in a podcast, Story Genius by Lisa Cron, as her go-to for writing fiction. And 
I followed that book for the, the book that Katie and I are just working on, and it totally changed my writing game. I probably drafted that book in three months and then rewrote it two times before Katie saw it, but it was so much clearer than the other manuscript, which took me three years to work on. Mm. And I really credit that book because she's has great writing exercises, but it's it's very clear on the, why your brain is wired to like certain stories mm. and why. Interesting. It's all brain science, which I love. So um, I highly recommend it to a new writer. It taught me a lot about writing fiction. <laughs> and I think you, I still have to learn. That's what I love about writing is I'm always wanting to learn. I don't want to just say, oh, I wrote this great book. I'm done. I really like learning. And I think any new writer has to have that love because I still am learning in the process of doing all this. Can you both discuss staying sane within this wild creative world? (laughs) (laughs) If I can be honest, I'm on antidepressants. I think I'm being really honest that that's helped me a lot in the pandemic and having a really great therapist and also talking to other writers. Only other writers get what it's like to be on submission or to have something rejected. I just DM my writer friends and text them. We're just always talking about it to have that camaraderie and support and knowing that like everyone who sees the front end, like you see my website and you see all that, you don't see the back end of the many rejections I've gotten or books that never went anywhere, things like that. You really need a team. And I think that's kept me sane a lot is talking to other writers and having a community of writers to talk to. I was just going to say on the agenting side of all the creative things, it's a lot of similar things. Like for me, also my medication and my therapist, having a group of agents I can talk to and a bigger one that every single agent in any agent group I ever talked to has a problem with is actually taking time off, Mm -hmm. like not looking at your email, not opening stuff. Yeah, exactly. But trying to actually take the time off. I'm trying to take my own advice at the end of this month because I keep claiming, oh, I'm going to be off for these three days and I end up doing things. Mm-hmm. Already, I'm just like, oh, that means I have to get a whole pitch done in a week. I don't know if that'll happen. I guess I can do that while I'm off and I can do this thing while I'm off and oh, these three projects. But I'm really going to challenge myself to just take time off of work, spend time doing things I like, and stepping away from it because I think it's been really bad for my mental health to not, especially when I'm supposed to be taking off most of the time so I can heal and feel less pain. (laughs) So what are you excited about and what's coming up? I'm currently working on a story for Kindling magazine about miscarriage, paid leave in other countries. That'll be out in the fall. We're going on submission soon with this YA rom-com. So that's my big thing that I'm focused on. Yeah, that's definitely the big thing is this amazing rom-com that's going to be going out soon that I'm super excited about. And if editors know what they're doing, they're going to buy it very quickly. (laughs) They will be stupid not to. (laughs) And just balancing everything. I have a client's book coming out April next year called The Blood Trials by Nia Davenport that I am so excited about. It's being published by Harper Voyager. She -hmm. just finished copy edits. I didn't know it could get even better than it is. Wow. She has a wonderful editor. It's up for pre-order now. So everybody go 
<laughs> I pre-ordered my copy. Already. It's extra exciting because as of now, if her update doesn't change, it comes out on my birthday. So this is literally oh, wow. the best birthday <laughs> present I could ever get. Mia and I have worked together for a very long time. And I just think she is a superstar. Mm-hmm. And I'm so excited about that. Sorry, Jennifer, I hope it's okay that I'm plugging Mia at the end of oh, this. Yeah. But I want everyone to read this book. They're pitching it like... Red Rising meets Star Wars. Wow. With a badass black woman fucking everything up. (laughs) (laughs) For the better, of course. We so appreciate you guys coming on and hearing about your relationship and your creative endeavors and all of the things we should be looking for as writers Mm. when it comes to this really interesting journey. Thank you for having us. I love talking about writing and hearing from other writers and hearing everybody's process. Yeah, and I love getting to talk about how great my clients are and (laughs) how much fun it is to get to work with them, especially Jennifer. It's just a joy. I see an email even just with a question and I get excited to answer it and excited about everything we do together. So getting to do this together was awesome. We are so glad that you joined us. And as always, we appreciate your feedback. Just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. It not only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be, but it also affects our ratings within the iTunes platform. We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our first pages podcast, you can send it to academy at manuscriptwishlist.com with first pages podcast in the subject line. We'd also just love to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy and everything we have to offer, just jump on over to manuscriptacademy.com.